I have to admit, as I started planning for this series of messages some weeks back on Life's Too Short, we know how fragile life is, but certainly this week has brought that to the fore for many of us. And so this is not simply about finding something to talk about on a Sunday morning. This is about life, folks. Life is very often way too short. And this morning, we want to consider that it's too short to live angry. Mark Twain, one of the greatest American writers, although I wouldn't follow his theology very much, he hit the nail on the head with this statement. He said of anger that it is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything onto which it is poured. Anger on the inside can do more harm to you than it can to the person with whom you are angry. Angry is one of the most powerful and potentially dangerous and harmful emotions that we possess, or shall I say that sometimes possesses us. Anger is a normal emotion. God gave us anger. It's not always bad. For instance, although I do not consider God to be an angry God, certainly He is provoked to anger. We see that in the Scriptures. He is angry over the the people turning their hearts from Him. He is angry over people who worship idols. He is angry over the injustices that are done to His people and to to the least of these. We see in the New Testament that Jesus became angry. He became angry in the temple, so angry that he turned the tables over of the money changers and drove them out with whips. That's pretty angry. He was angry because a place that should have been devoted to prayer, specifically for the Gentiles who were seeking God, a place that should have been uh, had been turned into a had been turned into a den of thieves, a place where animals were bought and sold at an exorbitant kind of price. He was angry because his father was being dishonored and because people were being abused. A little further, we see evidence, for instance, uh, you know, Paul was angry over the, uh, the false teachings that were in the church and people who were trying to lead new believers astray. If we look back, we see Moses who came down the mountain and he was angry because the people who should have been worshiping God were instead bowing down and worshiping a golden calf idol. This kind of anger is a righteous indignation. This kind of anger is is a, a, a burning within us because God is either being ignored or he's being abused in some way or his people are being abused in some way. This kind of righteous anger. There are times that you and I become angry over the things that would provoke God to anger. We become angry when we see senseless killings that happened nine years ago on September 11th. We become angry when we consider the number of innocent babies who are aborted every year. We become rightly angry when we turn on the news or open the newspapers and we read about people who are dealing drugs, raping, stealing, killing. This kind of thing does anger God and should anger us. But before we go away feeling good about our anger, let's consider, are those the things that make us angry most often? 
What usually causes us to be angry? Certainly there are times that our anger is triggered by the same things that, that anger God, but often our anger, often our anger is our own. It is centered in self. It, it has nothing to do with righteous indignation. It's just indignation. Psychologist Dr. Robert John McCrary puts it this way. Anger is caused by two basic things. First, frustration. Not getting what we want, especially if we were expecting to get it. Anybody been there? Secondly, feeling that others do not respect us or care how we feel can make us angry. He goes on to say there are many specific things that may cause anger, but they all come down to these two basic principles. I think the Bible would agree. Consider what James wrote. What causes fights and quarrels among you, he said? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. In other words, instead of taking our emotions to God for Him to deal with it, we take things into our own hands and can cause all kinds of issues. Now, certainly there are times when anger flares up within us. Where we just get, we're, we're going along, minding our own business, something happens and, and, and we become angry. Perhaps it's because we feel disrespected or cheated in some way. It happens to all of us. But how do we handle those flare-ups? That's important. How do we hang, handle it when the anger comes up within us? Here's what the Bible would teach us about that. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Consider this. Here's an acknowledgement that you and I become angry. It's an emotion that God placed within us. So we become angry. But we are warned, in your anger, when these flare-ups happen, don't let it take you to sin. Don't let it lead you there. In fact, you need to take care of it, handle it, deal with it, and deal with it now. Now, what does it mean to deal with your anger when it flares up? Does it mean to put your fist through the wall? I don't think so. Does it mean you just internalize it all and kind of pack it down and just carry it with you trying to pretend it's not there? No. You see, neither spewing nor stewing are appropriate and healthy ways to deal with anger. That's not how God wants us to deal with anger. So how do you deal with anger when it flares up in your life? I want to give you some simple tips right now. These can possibly help you. First of all, acknowledge your anger. Don't just pretend you're not angry. Have you ever done that? Got in a fight maybe with your husband or wife? And they say, you're mad, aren't you? No. Go ahead and acknowledge your anger. Okay, go ahead and say, yes, I'm angry. Let, let, me give you, let me give you a hint. If you were sitting across from me when we were doing marriage counseling, I would encourage you to say, not to say, you made me angry. Now, they may have done something, and you may have gotten angry because of it, but no one can make you angry. 
And so acknowledge your anger, but don't do it with your finger pointing at the other person. Yes, I am angry. Secondly, examine your anger. Why am I angry? Is this righteous indignation? Has God been robbed of his glory or others been robbed of justice? Or is my anger, does it have a lot more to do with self? I feel like I'm cheated. I feel like I'm the one who's gotten a raw deal here. I feel like I'm the one who's been disrespected. Examine it. Third, confess and repent of your angry feelings. Again, if it's righteous indignation, that's one thing. But if it's driven by self, then our ego has gotten in the way. And never forget that in the middle of sin, S-I-N is the letter what? I. I'm right in the middle of sin. Typically sin, we're right in the middle of it. It's because of, of us. It's because of ego. It's because of self. And so as we think about this, is there something I need to confess and repent of? Fourth, ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness of God, first of all. And then, you know, if your anger is selfish, it doesn't hurt to ask forgiveness from the other person. I am so sorry that I became angry like that. You need to remember that forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. Think about that. Forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. It's releasing that and letting it go. And then finally, pick up the pieces and move forward. Now, let me be careful because I don't want you to misunderstand me here. When I say pick up the pieces, I don't mean pick up the pieces of your anger and take it back with you. I mean pick up the pieces of your relationship and move forward because most of the time our anger has to deal with our relationships. Now, problem solved, crisis averted, we can all go home healthy and happy, right? Not exactly. I wish it were always that way, but sadly it isn't. Because you and I know people who not only have flare-ups of anger, because we all have those. You and I know people who live angry. Who live angry. Who are always on the verge of an outburst. Whose fuse is only about that long who carry their anger deep inside them like some kind of bubbling cauldron waiting to to boil over, a volcano waiting to erupt. The anger within them has become a foul and bitter thing that affects their demeanor and affects their relationships and robs them of the joy that could be theirs. Maybe that angry person that you know about is you. Maybe you're the one who lives angry. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that life's too short to live angry. A study done earlier this year by the National Institutes of Health showed some some of the health risks of living angry. It found that people who are angry and aggressive showed a greater thickness of the carotid arteries in the neck, a key risk factor for heart attack or stroke compared with people who were more easygoing. Moreover, people considered the least agreeable and the most antagonistic had a 40% increased risk for arterial wall thickening. In other words, if you live angry, then there's a 40% greater chance that you're going to suffer from stroke or heart attack by living angry. If you're living angry then you're very likely destroying yourself from the inside out. Physically, emotionally, 
and spiritually. But it goes beyond that. Living angry also destroys relationships. Think about it. Do you like to hang around people who are always on the verge of an outburst? Do you like, isn't it like being on pins and needles? Like walking on eggshells? You don't want to say something or do something because that may be the trigger. That may light that whatever, whatever little fuse they have left and they explode. Do you relish spending time with someone who sees themselves constantly as a victim and their anger is turned to, to bitterness? Do, do you like to be around someone who's angry and flies off the handle half the time? Or who gets angry and doesn't fly off the handle but turns that anger inward and becomes depressed and even to the point of self-loathing, just putting themselves down constantly because they're living angry and they, they don't, I, I know I'm not supposed to be angry with them, so I'm just going to be angry with me. Do you know people like that? It's not easy being around them, is it? And i got to tell you, if you live angry, you're not easy to be around either. That's why you don't get invited to dinner. That's why when you're having a conversation, people are quick to leave. Or they're always guarded with their words because they're afraid that they might say something or do something that's going to set you off. And quite frankly, they've taken enough of your shrapnel. They don't want any more. And so they avoid you entirely. I'd like to share with you this morning some truths from the Bible that the Bible teaches us about, about anger and about living angry. First of all, living angry is destructive. This is what the Bible says. An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered man commits many sins. If you live angry, you will find yourself in constant turmoil and you will suck others in with you like a black hole. You will create all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. If you live angry, then you'll find yourself either becoming hard-hearted or you'll find yourself drowning in regret. If you live angry, you're going to make yourself miserable and you're going to make everyone around you miserable too. You see, living angry has consequences. And sometimes those consequences are far worse than you'd ever imagine. Take just a moment to watch this video with me. I just called your grandmother. Thanks. You know, she's too old to be running around fretting about you. I know, man. Look, she worries about me every time I leave the house, okay? Well, she has a good reason to worry. One, you're a drug dealer. And two, you're not even good at it. Look, I'm tired of you being on me telling me I'm stupid, all right? You keep forgetting that you were the one who went to prison for 15 years, not me. Mm hmm You want to know why I went to jail? Why, Pastor King? Because I was a knucklehead like you. Yeah. I got into a beef with my best friend. And I thought the beef was squashed. So later that night, we take these two young ladies out to dinner. My friend reaches across the table and slaps me. Yeah. Right in front of the young ladies. 
And before the sting of that slap could wear off, I'm all over him. We start wrestling, and he pulls out a knife. And I grab his hand. Next thing you know, I'm wearing an orange jumpsuit in court. Ten seconds. If I would have just taken ten seconds to let the sting of that slap wear off. Ten seconds cost me 15 years in prison. Your anger may not cost you 15 years in prison, but it can cost you broken relationships. It can cost you a, a failing of your health. It can cost you years of regret and having to rebuild what you destroyed in 10 seconds. Anger has consequences. Living with this seething inside has consequences. It's dangerous. Secondly, living angry is foolishness. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 7, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. If you might argue anger isn't outright destructive, then it is most certainly outright foolishness. When we live angry, we set aside good judgment. When we live angry, we're, we're tend, we tend to act rashly without even thinking about the consequences. We fail to exercise self-control. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 25, 28, which says this, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Living angry will cause you to lack self-control. And a city whose walls are broken down is simply ripe for the pickings. Third, living angry is outside God's plan for you. That means it's sin. Living angry is outside God's plan for you. Consider Galatians chapter 5. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions. And then James adds, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, folks, that needs to be read before both houses of Congress, before all town meetings, and unfortunately, before many church meetings. But it goes on. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Don't leave that part out. Man's anger, your anger, my anger, when it's driven by self, does not bring about a righteous life at all. Why is this? Because the vast majority of our anger is wrapped up in self. Most of the time, our anger is not righteous indignation. It rises out of a personal frustration that we have or, or personal humiliation. A holy life never grows out of an angry spirit. 
hot temper never leads to higher ground. Living angry, folks, is destructive, it is foolish, and it is surely not God's will for your life. So then, what is productive, wise, and the will of God for you? Fortunately, we don't have to guess. God makes it abundantly clear the kind of life He wants us to live if we abandon living angry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a verse that I read last night at a wedding ceremony, or Friday night at a wedding ceremony. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Notice this. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. If we're living angry, if we're living right on the verge, then we're not expressing love. If we have a short fuse, we're not expressing love because love is not easily angered. What does it mean that love is not easily angered? It means it's like wet wood and you're trying to light a fire. You just can't get the thing lit. You work and you work and you work, but you can't get it lit. But to be easily angered is like having kindling. All it takes is a small spark and the blaze begins. That is not to be your life. You are to be wet wood when it comes to being angry. Not easily angered. Now, I... The the next part goes along with it. Because keeping no record of wrongs, some of you are way too young to remember S&H green stamps. How many of you remember green stamps? Anybody? There, okay. Fill in the folks who don't have their hand raised. Well, I'll do it. It used to be when you went to the grocery store, you'd buy your groceries, and not only would you pay for them, but depending on how much you bought, they would give you these stamps, these lick-and-stick kind of stamps. And they were green, so they called green stamps. And you had these books that you could get, these paper booklets, and you would lick these nasty-tasting things, and you would stick them in the book, and you'd fill up pages in the book. And then you'd, you'd save these books up because they had these things called redemption centers, which I always thought should be what the church was called. But they always had these redemption centers where you could take these S&H green stamps in, and you could just take these books of them in, and you could cash them in, and you could get a, a toaster or electric oven or a, whatever, And you could just trade them in for stuff. Well, you know what? When love is not easily angered, what's it saying is, listen, don't practice S&H green stamps in your relationship. When someone does something to you, don't lick it and stick it and put it in the drawer. Because what's going to happen is that at some point, you're going to cash those books in. You're going to get in an argument, and you're going to pull out everything that happened. Anybody get in an argument, and stuff from 15 years ago comes up? I mean, stuff you thought was long gone. And it comes up in this. didn't have anything to do with it. You have no idea how you got from point A to point Z, but you got there. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Instead of living angry, God calls us to live in love. There's the alternative for us. Instead of living angry, God calls us to live in love, not easily angered, keeping no record of wrongs. What else does Scripture tell tell us to help us out? In Romans chapter 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody, if it is possible, 
as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. That includes knuckleheads. That includes idiots and morons. When it says to live at peace with everyone, it's not saying, okay, there's a special category of idiot over here, and you don't have to live at peace with them. Now notice, it does say, as far as it depends on you. There are people who are so far out there that no amount of reason and no amount of peacemaking is ever going to matter. They're radical. They are, uh, you know, they're, they're radicalized, whatever they are. It's just, it's just not going to work. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Folks, we need to take that into our homes. We need to take that into our places of business. We need to take that into our schools. We need to take that into our community groups. We need to take that into our grace groups. We need to be focusing on living at peace for everyone because living angry is not what God calls us to do. Instead of living angry, God calls us to live in peace with everyone as far as is possible with us. To live. You're to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. That's to be your role. Not a troublemaker. What else does God say to us that we need to hear? A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays his follow. A patient man displays great understanding. Instead of living angry, God calls us to live with patience. Patience with other people. Wow. Maybe I should stick that on my dashboard. I'm serious. Probably the time that I kind of blow my fuse more often is, is when I'm just in traffic. And fortunately, I think the Lord has mellowed me through the years with this. Now I just kind of shake my head and, and, and pray for them because they obviously don't know how to drive. Inside the belt line of Atlanta, it's like leave your brains here when you enter. That, I mean, that's how people are driving. Just check your brains at 285 and because it's a free-for-all from that point on. You know, the whole thing is the Atlanta Zoo as far as I'm concerned, as far as the driving on the interstates. These people are nuts. It's hard to be patient. But you know what? It's hard to be patient sometimes in line at a grocery store. Or it's hard to be patient when you're, when you're at a, a ticket counter at a, for an airline. Because people aren't always real smart or considerate or kind. But you're supposed to be. Because instead of living angry, and you may want to think about this the next time a telemarketer calls you. (laughs) Instead of living angry, God calls us to live with patience. Scripture also tells us something else. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Folks, instead of living angry, you and I are called to live in victory. We don't have to react the way the world reacts. Jesus said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. He wasn't saying be a pacifist. What he was saying is you have the freedom to choose to act, not react. You have the freedom to choose how you respond to this situation. You don't have to simply lash out. You don't have to simply respond like the world responds. You don't have to give in and let anger overcome you. Overcome evil with good. 
Overcome evil with kindness. Overcome evil. Live in the victory. You see, life's too short to live angry. And i got to tell you, folks, this is not just for folks outside the walls of this church. If we were truly honest with ourselves this morning and we examined our hearts, we could see those areas where we live with a very, very short fuse. It doesn't take anything to set us off. And we may not put our fists through the wall, and we may not get up and rant and rave, but i got to tell you, an angry person stirs up dissension. An angry person will cause problems. An angry person will upset the apple cart. An angry person is going to make waves. And unfortunately, sometimes those waves turn into tsunamis and destroys everything. We don't have to live angry. You don't have to live angry. There is freedom for you. Jesus came to to set the captive free. And those chains of anger that have bound you for so long, today you can walk away from here freed. Not by anything that I've said, but by what God has said. Not by anything I can do for you, but by what God can do for you. He can break this bondage to an angry spirit and set you free. Now, some of you hear that, and you want that, and you will leave this place having done nothing to receive it. Folks, that's sad. If you're here, and you have an angry spirit this morning, then you need to go to God, find someone to pray with you. We'll have some people up front. There's certainly other people. Be happy to pray with you. Pull them aside after the service. Whatever you need to do, find a godly person. You know someone who shows the fruit of the Spirit in their life and say, would you please pray for me because I'm that person Jimmy was talking about. I'm that person who lives angry. Pray for me. I want to know freedom. And then ask that person to hold you accountable. Boy, that's tough, isn't it? Or find someone in your grace group to hold you accountable and say, this is something I struggle with. Would you please hold me accountable and ask me if I've flown off the handle? Ask me if I've pounded the dashboard. Ask me if I've put all this anger inside me and I just walk around seething all the time. Just ask me so that I can be held accountable for my actions. There's some of you that are in here going, you know what? I never knew that God cared about this stuff. I never knew that the Christian life was about more than coming on Sunday mornings. But what you're saying is that God is interested in my life and in my relationships. He wants to be in that. And God has something to say that's relevant for my life, where I live day to day. I'm here to tell you, if you have never received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that is the first step to ceasing to live angry and to begin to live in victory.